If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. What's up and welcome back to Kind of Funny Games Daily for Friday, January 26, 2024. Of course, I am Tim Geddes, and today I am joined by one of my favorite people in the world, Lucy James. Aw, thanks. How you doing, Lucy? I'm doing well, thank you. Yeah, well, I mean, in the words of British comedian John Robbins, mm-hmm. broadly fine mm-hmm. in spite of factors. Yes. Because this week has... There's been a lot of bad like, stuff going on, yeah. I'm emotionally... I mean, I'm fine. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. health, got my cat, cats. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, it's it's rough to kind of always be completely upbeat when everything is just falling apart. Around. I, I went to dinner with, with Gia last night, mm. and she was like, you seem just more dead than normal. Like, was <laughs> was yesterday, like, harder than, or was today harder than, than, than normal? And I was like, it really was. And I'm like... Yeah. I was busy. I was on sh- a lot of shows, had a lot of meetings. Had a, like, I was very back-to-back yesterday. But I was like, but I am all the time. Like, I don't know why I'm extra worn out. And I was like, it's because I woke up feeling like shit <laughs> hearing the, the news yeah. and, like, having to talk about it again, you know? And well, I'm just I'm, like, it's just, it's just taking its toll on everything. The thing is, is that I didn't even, so obviously referring to the Xbox layoffs, I didn't even see it on Twitter first. I saw it because I went on Instagram and someone that I'm friends with posted something on their Instagram story that was like, not again. And I immediately knew what it was. I know. That's how commonplace it is. <laughs> that, that's how commonplace it is. But it's Friday, Lucy. It is we Friday. Have, we have a weekend ahead of us. We have the Royal Rumble tomorrow. I'm very excited about that. I doubt you are. So No, so I, no, I'm oh. not excited about it. I'm okay. really sorry. I got your hopes no, up there. It's all good. It's all good. But I'm more excited because I am going to see Futurama at Sketchfest tomorrow. <gasps> That's the right response. I'm very jealous. That's I'm very right. jealous. So what, what's that mean? Is it like a table read? Is it's it just a table like... read by the cast of Future. Whoa. Oh, shit. That's really cool. Uh, that's Loose. where I'm going to be. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be at the Avatar uh, thing oh. on Sunday. Oh. I'm very excited about that. Oh, mate. Yeah, Last Sketch Airbender, Fest. Tim, not your blue people. Not, not the blue people. So sad. I know. Yeah. But that's, that, so, you know, that's my Royal Rumble. Yeah. What, what's the, the, like, quick word on the street about this Netflix Avatar thing? Because everything I'm seeing... I'm like, it It looks surprisingly cool. Like, the fight scenes and CGI stuff, I'm like, ah. Barrett. I mean, it, yeah, Barrett. Barrett, Barrett, Barrett <laughs> he has something to say here. It, it's just, it, it, this is always the tough thing when trying to adapt uh, animation or anime or anything of the sort into live action because there's something about that medium that can pull off the tonal shifts of something very cool and serious and action and all that stuff and then also jumping into the like the jokes of it being a like a kids show and it's goofy and all that stuff um and so from the trailers like yes you're right like the the vibes from the fights and all that stuff I'm really liking it uh I think like the the cast is looking good I love uh who they got for Uncle Iroh um I I, th- I think it's hard for me to watch the trailers and not get emotional, but I think they're cheating a little bit because yeah. of the music, because mm. the music is so iconic. But, and but so they're whenever, using the music. 
they're using the music. And I mean, not every, hey, not every, not every okay, adaptation like, uses on. the music. So, like, and that is completely fair. So, you know what? Like, yeah, they're they're not doing the Halo thing, right? Or Tim? the Death Note thing. Like, yeah. Death Note had so many problems with it. To me, the oh, chief problem, <laughs> the chief problem is it didn't use the fucking music, yeah. and it's like. God, it's, it's so freaking good. But, but then at the same time, Bebop did. and Yeah, yeah. but Bebop... Yeah, yeah. Bebop There's, is another can of worms that I we know. have to do yeah. a whole podcast on. But uh, it, it's I'm morbidly curious. Like, I'm mm-hmm. going to re-sign up for, for Netflix. I haven't had Netflix in like a year and a half uh, just to check it out and to make an excuse to catch up on other things that I know people have been asking me to watch. Um, oh, so. Blue-Eyed Blue Eye Samurai? Yes, I, yeah, I, Tam, I need, Tam was on to me about it yesterday. Yeah, Blue-Eyed Samurai. There's a, a bunch of other stuff that just in like the last year or so uh, that I know Alyssa wants to watch as well. So it's got me interested enough to at least try it. But um, I don't. I, it'll definitely be better than the movie adaptation. Yeah, uh, yeah. Slightly door in the chat says if you want a, a good uh, li- live action Death Note, check out the old Japanese ones. Even those didn't use the music. If they did, I'd say they were great. But they don't, so I'm like they're actually not that good. Uh, but where are you at with Avatar? I'm cautiously curious. Okay. Uh, however, the one thing that has really got my attention, and I'm really glad that Netflix is leaning into it, Daniel Day Kim. My God. Yeah. Yeah. You make a really Oof. good point. Yeah. He's, you make yeah, a really yeah. good point. I will Hold watch on. just for him. He, he, he makes people make noises. You know yep. what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> Hold on. Me. Hold on. Let me oh, do some oh, research. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. Everyone prepare Hold to make on. some noises. <laughs> make some noises for Daniel Day Kim. They- While he does that, let me just tell you, of course, this is Kind of Funny Games Daily. We're each and every weekday. We get to keep <laughs> Lord. Yeah. That's awesome. What a world we live in that this, this image exists, oh. and we're going to see it move. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but today's stories include Nintendo's next console could have an LCD screen. Boo! But I understand. But okay. boo! Okay. Um, bad news for physical retail. Ah, boo! This is a bad day for Tim, man. Uh, and more because this is kind of funny games daily. Each and every weekday, we run you through all the nerdy news you need to know about live on YouTube, Twitch, and podcast services around the globe Uh, if you love what we do please support us with the kind of funny membership on patreon or youtube to get all of our shows ad free watch us record them live and get a daily exclusive show Uh, for a chance to be part of the show you can submit your thoughts and opinions as youtube super chats as we go if we're talking about a story send something in we'll try to get to it then if it's not about the story we'll get to it at the end of the show a little housekeeping for you a new ps i love you xoxo is up right now all about 2023's games versus 2024 games uh you can check that out on youtube and podcast services uh interesting topic i like that how, how was this episode uh barrett it was a, it was a good interesting one of like uh i think it kind of not devolved, but it, it turned into like, all right, you're on an island, and you got. A, a, we're at the end of 2024, and you have to pick what games you're bringing with you. The the games uh, that came to the PS5 in 2023, or the games that came to the PS5 in 2024. And uh, talking about the limitless potential of this year, uh, and how great of a year it uh, already is without knowing so too much after March, right? So, mm-hmm. uh, really interesting conversation. And the first time we're using this new uh, two-chair uh, set without, uh, without the great. desk. So. Yeah, really very, like very cool up. stuff. Check that out. And uh, Kung Fu Panda in review is up right now. YouTube.com slash kind of funny, episode one. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next couple of weeks, we'll be going through the Kung Fu Panda series uh, as we prepare for Kung Fu Panda 4 coming out. I didn't even know they were making a Kung they're, Fu Panda. They're Pound. making a 4. <laughs> Have you ever seen... I've so, seen one. Yeah, I've never until yesterday. I've never seen it. So, do you yeah. enjoy it? 
Well, you're going to have to check oh, out kind of funny during review to find out. Uh, thank you to our Patreon producer, Delaney Twining. You are absolutely the best. Today, we're brought to you by the Kind of Funny membership, but I'll tell you about that later. Before we get into the, the Roper Report, though, we got a couple super chats that I want to read off real quick. Cognitive, cognitive Clips saying, always great seeing Lucy on. And Raymond K. Hessel says, showing some love to your amazing host. Hire her. A lot, of, a lot of Lucy thank fans you. out there. So thank Crazy. you so much you. for the support. Uh, but for now, let's begin with what is and forever will be the Roper Report. <laughs> it's time for some news. <laughs> we have five stories today. <laughs> a Baker's Dozen. <laughs> Story number one. Nintendo's next Switch is coming this year with an LCD screen. Omnia says, uh, this comes from Omnia. Uh, Takashi uh, Mochizuki and Yuki Furukawa at Bloomberg Report. Uh, Nintendo will launch a new console this year with an 8-inch LCD screen. Uh, the new device will be responsible for a doubling in shipments of so-called amusement displays in 2024, uh, Hayase said in Tokyo on Friday. His research focuses on small and medium displays, and he bases annual forecasts on checks with companies in the supply chain. Nintendo's seven-year-old Switch has sold over 132 million units and is approaching the end of its life cycle. The company has been tight-lipped about any potential successor, but ex expectations have narrowed to this year's holiday period for the release of the next generation. Osaka-based Sharp Corp last year said it was supplying LCD panels and working closely with the maker of an upcoming console that was then at the R&D stage, Sharp, which is owned by Foxconn Technology Group, has worked with Nintendo in the past and served as a Switch assembler during the pandemic. A Nintendo spokesman said the company had nothing to comment on. Absolutely nothing. Absolutely Lucy, nothing. do you have comments? Please, God, Nintendo, it has to be this year. Come on. Yeah. Like that just, you know, it's been, what, it'll be eight years? Yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, it had a good run. It an had amazing an incredible run. run. Debatably the best run. I would agree with that. I mean, that, the thing is that, you know, it, you can call it cheating in some ways because of the amount of ports that it had. Mm. But I would argue that like, there hasn't been, and this is a perfect you're wrong type statement, but uh, there hasn't been a Wii U port that is worse than the Wii U version. Like all of them are the best versions of the games. Mm -hmm. Most of them add a lot of things like Bowser's Fury or mm -hmm. Mario Kart 8 adding, I mean, legitimately double the amount of courses yep. that the game has. Uh, Smash Ultimate, like, et cetera, et cetera. You get the point. Breath of the Wild. Never forget that was well, dual Breath of Wild. release. Okay, so I guess it was different. It was dual release. Yeah, but Breath of the Wild. But it's yeah. so weird to think that it yeah, came out in the that way. That is weird to think about, yeah. No. I mean, in terms, of, in terms of Switch stuff, I think it's also interesting to see that while everyone else, you know, Xbox, we've unfortunately seen what their refresh is going to be because of the leaks and everything. PlayStation, you know, talking about teraflops and the power of the solid-state drive. Then there's Nintendo being like, we're just going to do our little handheld thing again. It's fine. And then, yeah. you know, obviously still going from leaks and everything, it not being as powerful is interesting. But then Nintendo doesn't have to do what everyone else does. They set trends in a different way. I'm just really interested to see. If it does come out this year, I'm really interested to see what the, uh, what the retention is going to be like. How are they going to, you know, they have such a huge install base, 132 million out in the wild. Nothing to be sniffed at. That is unbelievable. How are you going to get people interested in a new console? I actually think that they are perfectly primed mm -hmm. to, to do just that. Like, I think that this is uh, the first time potentially in Nintendo's history that they are, when it comes to their software, when it comes to their IP, and when it just comes to where the industry is at, this is the cleanest transition to a next generation 
that again that they could have like so many things could happen the weird nintendo decisions can come out of left right center anywhere at any moment so we'll see but normally and i've talked about this a lot recently but nintendo has a major problem for end of life cycle support like when you look at online 64 and online is a major thing too uh but when you look at like n64 uh even going to the super nintendo it had some bangers coming out after the n64 but Mm -hmm. they were so few and far between between it'd be like one game coming out every four months or so uh and that was it n64 was even worse than that it was like one game every six or seven months uh gamecube had a very similar thing and then the wii for all its success also had that that uh, moment that then led to the wii u which was even worse right um their handheld side of things sometimes is different than that but now that they're both combined they have more options for software and on top of that because we've had this amazing very supported seven years with the switch one um where we've gotten installments in essentially all the major franchises a couple exceptions there um but especially when you include ports or Mm. or, um, remasters or whatever we've got most of them there it's refresh time it's sequel time it's like the next iteration time so do you think they will focus on new games completely for switch 2 and like leave switch in the dust like if Mm. you want to play those sequels you're gonna have to get switch 2 or do you think there will be this crossover period for a little bit where it's like yeah you can sure you can play it on here or you can play it on a one inch bigger screen i'm i'm pretty pretty staunch in the the side that i think that there is going to be more compatibility between the switches like I really the, the so. more i think about it the more switch 2 seems to be what i think that they're going to mm-hmm. do even though that doesn't seem like a nintendo move mm-hmm. i feel like it does seem like a nintendo switch mindset move mm-hmm. and that's kind of how you get people to be like oh i want to switch too like yeah. i do want that thing and i think the best way to to support that is with a consistent banger lineup of games that the people want and we are overdue for a Mario Kart, for a 3D Mario, for an Animal Crossing, for a, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, Metroid Prime. And then Metroid Prime 4 being, being the big hardcore thing, right? And it's interesting to look at Zelda, which traditionally was a hardcore game with mainstream potential. But it never quite hit that mainstream potential until Breath of the Wild. Yeah. And I feel like Metroid Prime 4, I don't think it'll be Breath of the Wild levels. We could hope big but i do think it has the chance to be the biggest metroid game ever by a substantial margin oh 100 and also they've you know they've primed haha uh, the audience with a remake and kind of like gauging interest and like and dread dread of it's course amazing. nintendo they are just a very you can never like count them out they they work in such mysterious ways i would love to see just like are they do you think they just saw 2023 being so packed and they were like all right we'll put out our stuff and then the big stuff a new console we'll hold that like do kind of what rockstar does where it's like no this is our time you, I mean, everyone else move out of the way i i almost feel like going back to what i was saying about previous nintendo generations like being so like oh we don't have anything left to put out that's just not the case this time like well and that's saying everyone is like nintendo just holds on to stuff yeah and that's and what that's what is so now. interesting to me i'm like no one else really works like that everyone is like Ship it, ship it, get it out, get it out, get it out before the financial year's ever, get it. Yeah, and you know, I, I do think that there's uh, going to be many interesting conversations had over the next couple of years as more and more data comes out or conversations are had about the ballooning budgets of games. And as these layoff conversations mm-hmm. continue to, to go, how it all intermingles to become like 
what are games going to look like? What is a AAA game? How many PlayStation Studios titles are we going to get? Like, as we saw, we got back to back to back multiple a year for so long. And then now it's like, are we going to get that this year? Probably not. Are we going to get it next year? What's this going to look? Can Naughty Dog even do this? Insomniac's out there doing God's work. Right. And unfortunately, we do know what Insomniac's got. And, and that too, you know, and, but, 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 even but then, you know, that's not this year. That's yeah, that's, yeah, it's not. But with Nintendo, because they are less powerful consoles, it seems like even the Switch 2 is also going to be that. It feels like for the first time ever, Nintendo's designing within its means as opposed to doing something weird and different for the sake of being weird and different. I think that's, that's really good because Nintendo, because their consoles have been typically less powerful, they have become so creative in what they are able to do. And they are masters of their own hardware and like its limitations and they can think and work creatively within it. Like, yeah, I mean, Breath of the Wild definitely was struggling a little bit at launch and Tears of the Kingdom had some stuttering issues and everything. And like, yeah, that's gonna happen, but it is incredibly impressive what they managed to pack onto that that little cartridge thing. Yeah, and I think it just, it, it really goes back to the design philosophy of what Nintendo games are. And they hit. We see mm -hmm. it. They hit. And they don't need to look much better than they currently do. I want I would, them to. Oh, the thing I would always argue, like, a distinct eye-catching art style is way more interesting to me than ray tracing, photorealism, uh, 4K teeth, you know? Yeah. Like, I would rather have something that looks eye-catching. And I'm like, oh, I know what that is. And I'm firmly in the why not both camp where I want the distinct art style with, I mean, at the very least, I just want a 4K menu, Nintendo. Come on, that's that's what I'm looking for here. Maybe a couple more color options uh, for the themes. But um, real talk, though, I just feel like Nintendo are primed for an amazing launch lineup of and our first year. They had such a great year with um, Switch 1 where we had uh, Breath of the Wild. We had uh, Mario Kart. We had uh, Mario Odyssey, right? And it's like, uh, and then not too long after that, like we, that the, the rise to animal crossing, I almost feel like we're going to get a repeat for the yeah. switch to sequels to all of those things. Um, we got arms, a new IP that kind of mm -hmm. came out of nowhere. It didn't set the world on fire, but we one, got a switch. We did get one, two switch. We don't talk <sighs> about that though. Um, but arms, I do think is again, didn't hit the way that it needed to, but you got to appreciate that Nintendo. And I think Splatoon's actually a great, a better example of this. Like, they still try to put out new IP. Yes, they're going to have 20,000 games with Mario in the title, but they are trying to make new magical characters and worlds and moments. Yeah, and Splatoon, like, that scene is still popping off. They have the Splatoon Invitational and everything. And I did see in the chat someone mentioned about Pokemon. Yep, I, I'm not a Pokemon person. Forgot that kind of ran, like, ass. Oh, horribly. horribly. So, I am a Pokemon person, and it I breaks know. my fucking heart. I, 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 I still love it, but... Um, yeah, so I think Nintendo is, is going to like destroy, obviously, but I, my bigger questions are, is there a weird gimmick that's going to get in the way or are they just going to stay in line and it's the switch too? there's been rumors of dual screen stuff, mm. which I'm praying is not the case. Um, will the joy cons still be compatible or is it a completely oh, okay. new system? Like there's a lot of, a lot of big questions that I think we're going to find out not too long from now. I mean, this is kind of the the time, the direct sort of time of year. It's also the PlayStation State of Play time of year. So I'm really hoping we hear something soon. I, in terms of gimmick things, I honestly don't know. Because at this point, if you kind of compare what they did with the Wii to Wii U, where they had such a runaway success with the Wii, and then they went too far, of course, with the Wii U, like 
obviously that ended up getting them to the Switch. Do you think after the extreme success of the Switch, they would want to risk it? I don't. Yeah, I really don't. Like, I, I think that they, it, it's impossible to predict Nintendo, but, because I mean, infamously, and there's so much video footage of this, I love that it's all on camera. Leading into the Switch launch, I, me and Kevin, me, there were so many videos on Gamescast of me hyping up the Switch of like all the things they announced, like they're, they're a big event in Japan, they're a big event in New York of like, they're going to announce the Switch lineup of what everything is. And it felt like limitless of like, oh my God, they're going to do this, they're going to do this, they're going to do this. And then we went there and it was one, two Switch. And it was one of the worst presentations we've ever seen. And like, you could watch oh. me die in real time on, our, on my live reaction. Oh. Greg and Colin were at home reacting to it at yeah. our old studio me and kevin were literally on a hotel bed laying next to each other reacting to this and i start off like let's go, let's go. and by the end and of it i'm like <sighs> but then it ended with the breath of the wild trailer which changed my life so i can't complain too much hey. yep. how I are you a, feeling about this screen i i have a prediction tim oh, of what they do from the switch one to switch two to like really drive people to to get over make the jump and not just in a software but in a, a hardware sense they bring back the C-Stick. Jesus. And games will eventually only be exclusive to play with the C-Stick on the Switch 2. That's just it. Like the 3DS. That's it. God. The stick goes back. They, who knows, man? They're, they're Nintendo. They'll do anything. But I do think the news today, as yeah. much as it upsets me, paints a picture to me that I think that it is the Switch 2. I think they're going to just stay in line with what they're doing. I Lower don't the think price point. I don't think they're going to rock the boat too much. I think they're going to try to target the audience that they have, which is 132 million plus owners of the Switch that want to play these games. The Mario movie just came out. There are more people interested in Nintendo than ever. I yep. feel like they just want to continue the success train rolling. So LED screens, LCD screen, one of the biggest bummers I could possibly, possibly awesome. imagine, Lucy, as somebody that is... You're about that OLED life. I am, man. You advised me on a TV. I love OLED more than most things in this world. You know what I mean? Like, I'm pretty sure, I'm not even going to put an order to this. There's Gia, Moose, and Toretto, and OLED. All right? <laughs> you guys can figure out the order. I'm not even that sure at this point, okay? I really hope you're and They are not watching. And Nintendo's on the list, too. All right? Okay, good. So any combination of those things? <laughs> I want. I Chad, want in my Chad's life. asking about Cool Greg as well. Cool, cool Greg's there, too. Cool Greg's there, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but I, I, uh, I'm really bummed about this because I know I'm obnoxious about the OLED stuff. You guys fucking get it. I don't need to get into all the details about mm -hmm. that, but legitimately OLED is one of my favorite technologies to, to ever exist because it just makes everything look so much better. It makes things look the way that they should. And it even like playing switch games on the switch OLED feels like a oh. upgraded experience. I got one with red dead. I. I was like, oh my god, this is how, how it's done. It's like, beautiful. It's and stunning. It's just like playing Mario Kart, playing Metroid Dread, playing Prince of Persia Lost Crown. Like uh, it just looks so good. Where even if the resolution's not what it needs to be and all this stuff, yeah. it's like the colors pop so much where it's just so impressive. Super Mario RPG is a stunner of a game. And this goes back to what we were talking about. Nintendo has art style. Yeah. They have they have color, they have like so much character in their characters. You add OLED to that, and it just like it enhances it so much. There was one game that you bought recently on on the Switch that like I would not have recommended to play on a Switch unless it was an OLED screen, and that's Persona Five. Like I've, mm, yeah. I've tested what Persona Five looks like and like uh, how it runs and stuff, like whatever. But like the seeing that on an OLED screen, even that small, like that shit looks good, man. 
So it's very unfortunate, um, specifically in a world that, I mean, legitimately, I never thought we would have seen a Nintendo Switch OLED to begin with. So the fact that we did, I was like, whoa, this is crazy because they just don't care about tech that way. Um, But for them to take a step back, it's really a bummer to me and to many people out there. But I totally understand the business decision. There will be a refresh and it's in a, a year or I'm two. And because you'll the, buy yeah, it. there's going to be us, Tim. We're going to mm-hmm. double dip. Mm-hmm. They fucking got our number, man. Yeah. So it is, it's definitely a bummer to me. Um, but I get it. And I think you, you said this earlier, but LCD is going to make the price lower. They're going to want to get the price of this thing as low as possible, get as many units out there to build the install base to then yep. sell the software to. That's Nintendo's strategy. So don't please, Tim. You already got me. You already know I'm going to fucking buy it. You got me the, the goddamn balls, all right? I'm going to buy this Switch. I'm going to buy the OLED Switch and, like, fuck, okay, whatever. But I don't even feel bad about that no. because I know that they're going to provide me with so Hundreds much enjoyment, so many games, like all of the stuff. I just want the OLED, and every time I pick it up, I'm gonna be like, ah, this isn't right. Yeah. This just isn't right. I really hope they lean, they continue to lean into color customization options, um, switch docks, if it even has a dock, uh, of famous characters. And, you know, the Animal Crossing switch was so nice. The switch, well, the switch lights mm-hmm. as well, like the different color combinations. They just announced those little pastel pink yeah. uh, Joy Cons. I really hope they continue doing that because I think they also know that. People don't just want the white or the gray one out of the box. They want something that has that pop of color that reflects them. Mm-hmm. And also, you can, you know, more people will be like, oh, that's pink. That matches my stuff. I'll get that. Yeah. So I really hope they do that. There is the like, like, opium part of me that's like, well, this is just a rumor. <laughs> I know. Look, you know what I mean? Look, I know. But the thing, the thing is, it's a rumor, grain of salt time. But they are piling up, man. Yeah, I know. And I feel I like at it this is point... what it is. I do have a very important announcement to make. Go on. That I haven't told anybody yet. And I'm really excited about this. And I, I hope that m- many other people in the other room are watching right now. In line with this conversation, I did something last night. You do? It was like, I don't know, 12.30 a.m. Mm-hmm. Pulled out my phone. I was laying in bed. She is asleep next to me. Got below deck on the TV. Hell yeah. Chilling there, and I'm like, huh. There's a Steam Deck OLED in my shopping cart. <gasps> do I, do I hit, oh, oops. Yes. Oops. Good job, Good job, TV. bud. I'm proud of you. It's on the way, everybody. It's on I the way. I am proud I of you. I got sold. I got sold. I love OLED too much. Yeah. I love OLED too much. Got- I got to support the tech. Did you did you think that was like the precursor to this new story coming out? I, you, yeah, you were like, I signed my own fucking you, death here. You felt a disturbance in the force, and you were like, "I need to get some handheld OLED because I feel something is coming that's not yeah. it's not yeah. right." Honestly, I just uh, it, what it really comes down to for me is I've been playing with the, the PlayStation Portal a lot, and I love it so much. Mm. But it's not an OLED. It's not OLED. <laughs> it's not an OLED. It's a pretty d- decent LCD. It's screen, a great though. LCD yeah. screen. But it's not an OLED, everybody. Story number two, Xbox has reportedly shut departments dedicated to bringing games to physical retail. This comes from Tom Ivan at VGC. Mass layoffs at Microsoft's gaming division this week reportedly includes the closure of departments dedicated to bringing physical games to market. 
On Thursday, the company said it plans to lay off 1,900 staff across Xbox, Bethesda, and Activision Blizzard. The cuts are believed to be wide-ranging, impacting various areas of Microsoft's gaming business from customer service to development. Uh, quote, Microsoft has also shut down departments dedicated to bringing Xbox games to physical retail, which if you've seen the digital-only Xbox console leaks, well, you can get an idea of where Microsoft is going here, according to Windows Central editor Jess Corden sources. Note, reducing retail teams doesn't confirm Microsoft is quitting physical retail for Xbox games yet. They can outsource and might be consolidating here, he added. Uh, dude. Yeah. I'm a bummer. Yeah. I mean, layoffs alone, an incredible mm -hmm. bummer. I think, not to say this was in the tea leaves, but it's been very interesting to see that in revenue reports for microsoft and for xbox they are always talking about how much money game pass is bringing in subscription revenue is so important to them they don't have to pay a middleman there they don't have to pay target or walmart or best buy to get it on shelves god i didn't even say game i've fully become american <laughs> that's awesome but you're not you don't have to take into account the retailer there and whatever their cut's going to be uh, the cost of distribution, the cost of actually making that stuff. And we've seen, you know, those reports from a couple of weeks ago where was it Walmart giving away copies yeah. of Starfield, you know, the biggest Xbox game of last year for a few cents. Literally a few cents. A few cents. And then you've got the trend of Alan Wake different because it's not an Xbox uh, published game, but then Hellblade coming out and being like digital only, no box. This is kind of in the tea leaves that they are making moves away from this, as well as the leaked stuff from the court case. It sucks. And I think it's part of the broader conversation about how we get games, you know, having access to high-speed internet that you can download a 100 gigabyte game. In some places, people don't have that. It is a privilege to have it. Like, you know, it's one of the first things I did when I moved into my apartment. I was like, okay, yo, what's my internet speed going to be? Because oh, yeah. that's my life. For some people, that's not... The case and internet is expensive. Comcast tried to, they like doubled my bill, and I was like, Excuse me, is Sonic available? No, oh. but I rang them and I got a very nice person, and they said, Oh, it's because your thing, um, always, always ring if they they up your bills, always ring them because then they're like, Oh, I'm really sorry, yeah, your, your contract expired, so we just put you on the most expensive one, but we'll actually put it back down. So, you know, shout ring out to them, everyone, yeah. But, uh, what I was saying, and so digital only is dangerous and we've seen things get yanked uh people buy things and what happens when they're not available anymore xbox really doubling down on this is i can see the case for it it's also concerning yep. as a collection and uh from a collection and preservation standpoint absolutely i, I am a physical collector of many things it is is a problem i was just talking my brother about of oled devices ago. <laughs> Uh, OLED devices for sure, but like, no, I, I like collecting specifically like Blu-rays and CDs, yeah. but like games as well. And I, I have to try to limit like how crazy I get about it all because mm -hmm. I'm very obsessive, but um, I, I love physical media and I do not want it to go away. And it is such a bummer. I've talked about this a million times recently, but going to Best Buy, which is like something, a sacred experience to me. Like I, mm -hmm. I love that. I have my entire life walking in looking at the movies like mm -hmm. if you go to target it's like you know we're, we're here for this but i gotta walk through the movie aisle see yeah. what's up and um they just don't they literally don't exist anymore as of a couple weeks oh ago. they so the target near me is depressing to walk through because i mean not only you know that's the the target thing of everything is behind a locked case 
but if you go to the gaming section in my target, there are just uh, cards with mm -hmm. download codes for everything. Yep. And then the actual games that they have themselves, they have maybe one or two. And they're and, like, and it's nothing. And it's like, they're not even presented correctly. Not they're presented just kind correctly, of like thrown around. Not presented correctly. Uh, sometimes it's not even the game that's come out that week. It's like, I, w I went, I think it was um, obviously Call of Duty didn't have this problem. It was some big game. And I was like, oh, I wonder if they, you know, if they've got it. And they didn't even, they didn't even have it. It yeah. was very, very strange. And then, yeah. Just sad to see. And like, you know, not even going to the shop, going to Blockbuster. Of course. And just, of course. what can I rent for the week that I can... Uh, and you know, th that experience has just shifted and changed to blading through Netflix or like blading through Game Pass or, or whatever it is. And that's the thing. It's you, when you are then, you're then reliant on whoever has curated that or maybe an AI has curated it based on your taste. That feels very weird. It, it doesn't feel like, you know, because there are hundreds thousands of games on those services how on earth are you as a consumer as a customer as a gamer supposed to just go through everything and just figure something out like what you like you can't i don't know there's the tactile feeling of picking a box off and looking at the back because that's another thing we're losing just like in dvds and movies oh, yeah, we're it. losing um bonus features behind the scenes gaming we're kind of missing that like oh what's what's on the back of the box what pictures have they used what what's in the manual man yeah totally that's sad having said all that Despite being a huge proponent of this stuff, mm. I'm a proponent for it, and this is a personal thing, but for collector reasons. Mm -hmm. Because when's the last time I put a game disc in a system? I could not tell you. Cyberpunk. Yeah. I did. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, even then, though, that was years ago. <laughs> no, I, oh, I, oh, I did it. No, I, I did it. I did it uh, about six months ago. I had a hell of a time, though. So that's the thing. So I also appreciate the fact that it provides players with choice. I think, you know, if you want to have that digital only lifestyle, if you don't want to have a bunch of boxes and stuff, you have that choice. However, digital only landscape can also be, and maybe this is just my very particular situation, because as a British person with a British PSN account, and I know that's not Xbox, Xbox actually does this really well, changes regions, no issues. But I have a British PSN account. I tried to play Bloodborne the other day. Do you know what I had to do to him? Change the frequency? Like the hertz? Uh, no, I had to try and go on the British Amazon website to buy a code for British PSN credit so that I could buy Bloodborne because my game didn't work because my save is tied to the British one, but then I had to buy it on American. Uh, mm. And so I have an American version. So now none of my saves or trophies are compatible. It's, it's and that's the thing, like, Companies don't necessarily think of those very specific use cases, but I have an account that I've spent hundreds, yeah. thousands of pounds on. All my trophies are on there. And I just, it's, I struggle to access. Yeah. Like, I can't just get the game and, and hit go, which is the big what thing. What these that, need to be. What these need to be. Like, if you are pushing people towards an all digital future, that has to be as frictionless as possible. Yeah. And I know this is just my case, but I assume a bunch of people have issues with digital stuff too. Like, do you remember I always on xbox stuff where it was like oh you're not connected to the internet so yeah. we can't let you play yeah and that's the thing We're, we've been slowly transitioning and there's always going to be the fringe issue and it's getting better and it's getting way 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 better and I, I bring this up all the time people get mad at it but it's like every year developers put out the mm -hmm. the pie chart of how many physical sales versus digital and every year the digital gets more and more and more and more and more and that's the thing in the uk i don't even think they have the digital when it comes to the charts uh-huh because no we one always has... get those yeah the uk numbers like we always get the physical conversations yeah. and th those are that's always a headline here yeah, <laughs> yeah. oh yeah 
something to talk about but yeah it's it's just it is a bummer but it's also it's an inevitable future it's inevitable present we're here it's happening and we've already seen it like xbox has been putting out games their core games that don't even have a physical release and that's just we're Which there why though no change in it. it sucks <laughs> uh companies like i am 8-bit and folks like those like purposely putting together physical copies and that like the collectors want to buy mm -hmm. because they are bespoke they have all the bonus feature stuff in they've got physical things and like i think that's really cool and i hope to see more of that too if we are going to go down this that stuff will never go away digital road. i think that stuff i mean that's like vinyls like that they're, they're they're back more than ever because like there is a market for it but the market's not that big it is clearly not the biggest market so we'll see um but while we're seeing things you can go to patreon.com slash kind of funny or Get a membership over on YouTube to get the show ad-free. But for everyone else, here's a word from our sponsors. Kind of Funny turns nine years old today, and we could have made it nine days without your support. That's why 2024 is all about doubling down on our shows and making it simpler than ever for you to get the most out of our content. Our revamped Kind of Funny membership is your one-stop shop for all our amazing content, which now includes on a weekly basis, the Kind of Funny podcast, In Review, the Kind of Funny games cast, PS I Love You XOXO, the Kind of Funny X cast, the brand new series Kind of Funny Game Showdown. Five episodes of Kinda Funny Games Daily and five exclusive Gregway vlogs. And five days of streaming fun with me and the gang here in our newly revamped streaming space. It's gonna be filled with a ton of laughter and a whole lot of shenanigans. We'll see you there. That's more than 20 pieces of content a week from an 11 person independent team in San Francisco. That's a lot. And to get the most out of it, all we're asking for is $10. $10 gets you the Kind of Funny membership, and that entitles you to ad-free versions of the shows, the ability to watch the podcast live as we record them, and the exclusive access to my daily show, Gregway. You can get your Kind of Funny membership on patreon.com slash kindoffunny or youtube.com slash kindoffunnygames. Yes, we are expanding our Kind of Funny membership offering to YouTube so people can take full advantage of the platform they prefer. If you want to go above and beyond the Kind of Funny membership to support us, we will still have higher Patreon tiers, albeit with some changed up perks. We just wanted to make the message as clear as possible that the $10 Kind of Funny membership is for the masses to get all the core content people love. Everything above that is very appreciated. The support means the world to us. You all are the best. But the $10 Kind of Funny membership available on both Patreon.com slash Kind of Funny and YouTube.com slash Kind of Funny Games is where we see the value of what we do. Kind of Funny is a dream come true and we wouldn't have it without you. We hope if you've ever enjoyed the content, you can support us for at least a month as we prepare for our biggest year ever. Until next time, it's been our pleasure to serve you. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. And we're back with story number three. Apple opens App Store to game streaming services. This comes from Andrew Webster at The Verge. Starting today, Apple is opening up its App Store to allow game streaming services game streaming apps and services. This means that services like Xbox Cloud Streaming and GeForce Now, which previously were only accessible on iOS via a web browser, Mm -hmm. will be able to offer full-featured apps. Developers can now submit a single app with the capability to stream all of the games offered in their catalog, Apple wrote in a blog post. These changes apply worldwide, according to the company. In 2020, Apple appeared to have carved out a space for these cloud gaming services in the App Store, but that turned out not to be the case, as all games available through each service had to be submitted and reviewed as a standalone app. So the shift to allow one app with a large catalog of games marks a major change. As part of today's announcement, Apple said that each experience made available in an app on the App Store will be required to adhere to all App Store review guidelines, and its host app will need to maintain an age rating of the highest age-rated content included in the app. Apple also says that developers will now be able to provide enhanced discovery opportunities for streaming games, mini apps, mini games, chatbots, and plugins that are found within their apps, and that mini apps, mini games, chatbots, and plugins will be able to incorporate Apple's in-app purchase system to offer their users paid digital content or services for the first time, such as a subscription for an individual chatbot. Very, 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 very interesting. Yeah. What's the rub? So what's interesting here is uh, this is all based on Apple essentially being forced to do this. Yes. They, they, they do not want to do this. No. They would not do this if they did not actually have to. Mm. But due to all of the epic lawsuits over the last couple of years with Fortnite mm-hmm. and also just due to other lawsuits that they've been going on. I don't know if you guys have been keeping up with the Apple Watch. Shenanigans oh, yes. That have been yeah. going on. Yeah. Um, but there's there because of the results of a lot of um, the, the, the legal shit going on. They had to do this. So that um, is one thing. I do think the next thing is this is absolutely huge news. Oh. Right now, there's going to be a lot of bugs. It's going to be kind of weird. This is going to be, I mean, Xbox Game Pass is going to be on iPhone. Yeah. I mean, I when it, when they first launched xCloud, I did the thing where I was, at, I was with my dad and I had my phone and I was like, I'm playing a game on my Xbox that's in San Francisco. We're in Newcastle on the other side of the world. And you're playing the game. But my dad's like, cool. Cool. Okay, dear. Um, but now, like, the fact that I had to go through all those hoops, I had to make its own app uh, button thing, you know, like. App icon. Yeah, app, app yeah. icon. Do all that. The fact that I could just boot it up and just and just play, that's that's awesome. And I mean, like. In terms of use cases, for me, yeah, I've got Steam Deck and everything mm-hmm. now. But, you know, if I... Steam Deck is bulky. Yep. If I'm traveling or if I want to just 
have a bash on something. I'm just like, yeah, there it is. Easy, yeah. easy. It's it's just more opportunities to get things done that you need to do. To Even if it's just log in a light. to download a game or to to just like update a setting or to whatever it is. Mm. Like so many use cases on top of obviously playing the games um, or getting access to the games. Mm. I think that's another uh, huge thing. Like GeForce Now, it's like that potentially could be there's so many people out there that are like, I'm not going to buy a Steam Deck. I, I, yeah. I don't, do not have the means, but I have a phone. Yeah. So phone. cool. I'll be able to, to get access to, to games that way. And I think that the, this being open, Apple's e ecosystem is absolutely massive. So you want to be able to reach that audience. And now that they're allowing that, it's going to mean that NVIDIA and Xbox are aware of that and they're thinking about it and they're going to design with that in mind. Mm -hmm. And it just allows millions and millions and millions of more people access to video games in their pockets at all times and also oh my love you're you're gonna get this this bad boy can hold so many actual video games now like wh when diablo came out diablo 4 we were at summer game fest and one of our producers would parsec in to his machine mm -hmm. to play diablo and like if i could just i think the only game that people regularly play on macbooks is the sims and even then every time i see a tiktok or something of someone playing the sims on it it's on yeah yeah so i don't have to do that and i can just you know stream things now you asked what the rub is there is go. one other parts of this that is it's apple's 30 percent 30 percent so uh every dollar that's made from this mm -hmm. 30 percent of it goes to apple so that means that something like that but it's 70 well i don't know and this is normal in the sense that yeah. they're going to always take a percentage. Oh, for sure. But that is very much clearly Apple trying to make money, duh. But also them clearly being not happy with this decision and just being like, all right, we're going to do it, but we're not going to make it enticing as no. much as possible. So, and, and that's the thing. If you're Xbox or NVIDIA or something, this is opening you up to an audience that previously might not have existed. Like you couldn't have made, you could be playing stuff on Game Pass, but you couldn't make any. Couldn't do the transactions to it, I don't think. Yeah, and that's that's it's always those minor annoyances that add up. And you know, first impressions mean so much. So if you load something up and you expect it to work a certain way mm -hmm. and it bites you, you don't ever use it again. You know? And so I feel like this is gonna be a, a very uh transitional moment for how games are distributed. That I, I think that right now it's not gonna mean too much. But mm -hmm. again, I think in a couple years, couple this with the story we just talked about about digital and physical games, like we can see where we're going with this. And there's a lot of bad there, but there's a lot of exciting potential yeah. for things to just work. And the thing is as well, if you think back to how Stadia had that initial, you know, it's like, oh, I'm playing this game on my laptop and then I'll go to this tablet. And I remember that mm -hmm. showcase where they, uh, that presentation, I think it was a GDC where they showed it off and it was like, and now I'm on my phone. That was such a cool promise. Stadia sadly did not pan out. And the difference there is like, Google was doing that because they wanted to do it. Well, pretend to know the business decisions behind Google, as we've seen over the past couple of weeks. But then these companies are now having to do it out of spite. Yeah. So hopefully it'll have some long, totally. more longevity. I mean, I talked to so many people at Google during that time and people around Google and things. They legitimately, they believed in it. Like it, it, Google Stadia was not a thing of them being like... No oh, like, we're just going to do this because we're taking a step into the games. Like, they truly were like, we're going to change games forever. Invested and so much, like, especially, like, gathering talent. Like, mm -hmm. it wasn't just, oh, I guess we'll do this. It was, you know, looking out, talking to devs, giving them money, giving them grants, and, you know, bringing them to, the, to Google and saying, hey, do what you want, and then just 
Yeah. And I said it back then and people called me crazy and they still will now. They did change everything. That set the industry on a path that we are now seeing the repercussions of and we are now seeing things work in the same way that steam came out with the steam machines in the early 2010s oh and it was a disaster it just didn't work at all and then eventually over time nintendo puts out the switch kind of like oh this type of handheld gaming like console gaming on the on the go can work mm. now here we have the steam deck and it's like we've seen it so often with apple of like yeah cool android did it first and then apple comes out and like makes it mainstream mm. that's just like how tech has kind of evolved that recently right? and when i say recently i mean we're old people now so it's not recent at all um but like yeah it's it's going to be a very interesting time for games going forward uh story number four last of us season two team adds directors from loki succession and more um this comes from adele anchors range at ign and i'm very excited about it hbo's last of us 2 has added four new names to its directing roster for season two including loki helmer kate heron and succession emmy winner mark my lloyd both of them are incredible. Both of those shows I absolutely loved and specifically the um, contributions from these two people to those shows gets me very excited about this. Oh. As reported by Variety, The Last of Us team has enlisted Heron, the showrunner and lead director of Loki's first season and my Lloyd, who won an Emmy for his work on Succession. He was the dude that after the Succession episodes would most often kick off those like the little like behind the scenes of succession oh yes, yes you know what i mean and he'd be sitting sitting there and like we just watched the episode and we're amazed mm -hmm. and then he says something that i'm like i didn't even think about that you're way smarter than me <laughs> i mean i mean i know him from and it's similar to jesse armstrong who was one of the creators of succession i think the creator of succession it's like they got their start doing cult british comedy stuff and so that's why I'm really excited because it is just nice to see someone, I'm on his Wikipedia page right now, who worked on Cold Feet and the Royal Family and Shooting Stars. Shooting Stars is, I'm determined to make Americans love it because uh -huh. it's so bizarre and I can't believe it ever got made. It's so wild to see that they've gone from this to prestige, incredible drama. And like, I really enjoyed season one of The Last of Us. I'm really excited. And I think Craig Matson did an amazing job and the team of directors that he worked with. I really like to see them opening the scope and bringing more people in because I don't know where they're going to go with season two. We know we've got Abby, but in what capacity do we have her? You know? Yeah. I am excited. Mm -hmm. uh, the quartet joins returning directors Peter Hoare, who earned an Emmy nomination for his critically acclaimed first episode, uh, Long, Long Time, uh, as well as The Last of Us creators, executive producers, and showrunners Craig Mason and Neil Druckmann, who respectively helmed the first and second episodes last time. So... Sounds like we have a banger afoot, everybody. Um, but Lucy, mm. I'm tired of all that big news. Mm -hmm. If I wanted something smaller, so the tiniest news I needed to know about, where would I go? You'd go to our last story, the We News Channel, where we cover all the small news items you need to know about. Welcome to We Knows News, everybody. I love this so much. Like a Dragon Infinite Wealth is out today on PC, PS4, PS5, Xbox One, Xbox Series X, and S. You're all about this. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. I'm 40 plus hours in. What? So what, give, give your quick thoughts on it. It's impossible to give quick thoughts because there is so much in that game. I think a lot of people ask me, which Yakuza game should I play? If you haven't played anything, I, I will always implore people to play Yakuza 0. If you don't have time for that, I would say you could play Yakuza Like a Dragon, watch the ending of Man Who Erases Name, and then you can go into this one. Probably fine. There's a lot of stuff that you'll miss. It is a huge adventure. There is Ichiban, the world's most earnest man. He is a himbo, and I love him so much. There is Kiryu, 
the stalwart protector. And he's he's going also a himbo. Stuff. Also a himbo, but like, you know, like a, a strong man. It is. We, I mean, we were talking about it before, Barrett. Like, what would you say it was like? The Fast and the Furious meets The Simpsons. The yeah. Simpsons, in terms of references, in terms of just how uh, zany. Zany is the word I keep falling in on. Zany's a good one. Zany's like, a good one. It's so funny. It's like you will go from crying, melodrama, character action, and just you know the the saddest stuff, and then you will be laughing your ass off because it just it just tells tells the stupidest jokes. You, you, you'll get like a big reveal of like a character moment where you're like, damn, this is really important. And this is like such a big thing for this character to be dealing with after all of these games in the series. And then 15 minutes later, Tim, you're playing a crazy taxi uh, mm -hmm. rip off where you're riding around on a bike, doing cool tricks and delivering uh, food to people. And mm -hmm. it's sick as hell. And it's in Hawaii and it's fun. As they, they, they nailed yeah. the vibe of Hawaii. Yeah. It, it got the pass from Melissa. Good, there we go. And it's like, it's one of those games where everything you do feeds into something else and it's so satisfying. Not just like a numbers go up thing, it is, you know, conversations that you'll have with your teammates or um, when you're in combat and you line stuff up and it's so satisfying. You line those pins up and you knock them down. Incredible music, so many mini games. They call it infinite wealth probably because you'll be playing it forever. It's so good. I really, I really want more people to play it. Like, it's such a special franchise. Please, please go. Oh. Check it out, everybody. Uh, and then from IGN, Skull and Bones will have an open beta. Uh, Ubisoft has announced it kicks off across all platforms: PS5, Xbox oh. Series X and S, and Windows PC via the Epic Game Store and the Ubisoft Store on February 8th, and it runs until February 11th. And you could also pre-order it to get three, to get it three three days early. You could do that too. And it officially launches on. February 16th. Andy's birthday. Andy's birthday. Happy birthday to Andy. Uh, Honkai Star Rail version 2.0 launches February 6th, 2024. There you go. Get hyped about that. Um, let's do a little thing I like to call You're Wrong, where people can correct us during uh -oh. the show. Um, ZOVGM says, not a correction, but additional context for the physical discussion. Matt Piscatella tweeted today that Xbox only accounts for 10% of all physical game sales. PlayStation then takes 40% and Switch takes 50%. Sadly, the physical market's virtually non-existent for Xbox. Interesting stats, right? a lot of sense. Yeah. Yep. Um, then we got... Oh, I'm sad the Wii music stopped. Yeah, I know. It's such a pleasant little thing. Oh, man. That's what they need. Yeah. Switch two, bring that back. Just bring it back. We just bring music, menu music back. He just comes out, Miiverse, <laughs> drops the mic, walks away. Hope he does it on the couch again. Uh, we got some super chats here coming through. We got, um, already read those. Raymond K. Hessel says, I've never owned a Switch. Should I wait for a Switch two to play Tears of the Kingdom or just pull the trigger now? Wait. We are definitely at the wait point, I would say. Yeah. There's I so many, say. like, I don't know what consoles you have, but I assume if you're watching the show, you have at least a console. Mm. If you don't have a Switch, I imagine you have a, a PC, Xbox, or PlayStation. There's a ton of games to play. And that's the, <laughs> although, if you're specifically for Tears of the Kingdom, if you wait and they say it's got backwards compatibility or the games will, you know, new versions will come to the Switch too, then wait. If you're specifically after Tears of the Kingdom, get a cheap secondhand one. I'm. If, but that's only if they say that it's like no crossplay. I firmly believe that we get crossplay. I think that there is. I hope. I hope for that. Just always be prepared. I, I know. Prepared. I think that there is a less than five percent chance that 
the Switch 2 is not compatible with Switch 1. I agree. I think that there is a less than 70% chance. I don't know if I'm saying this right. I think there's a 70% chance that the Switch 2 enhances Switch games. Maybe not every single one. Oh, like FPS boost on... I think that Tears of the Kingdom specifically Mm -hmm. will be better played on the Switch 2 Mm -hmm. than on the Switch 1, and that will be part of the marketing. Do you think that'll be the same for Pokemon? I will not be surprised if... Pokemon's so hard to talk about because of the type of franchise it is Mm. and how they release their games and how it affects the cards and the shows and everything, but... I would not be surprised. I think we're going to get another Switch uh, Pokemon game. So Switch 1 Pokemon game. Um, some type of... There's rumors of remakes of... Whether it's a remake of Black and White, uh, Let's Go, Gold and Silver, or a um, uh, Legends of some sort, like they did with uh, Arceus mm. a couple of years ago. I think we get another one of those on the Switch. But then I imagine the Switch 2 is going to be a, a substantial improvement. You got to hope. We'll fucking see. But I do think we will get a Scarlet and Violet. Like, I don't know. Sorry, let me get my thoughts together. Mm. I think we're either going to get a Scarlet and Violet 2 mm-hmm. on Switch. That is the same world, but it actually runs it actually how works. it's supposed to. Or there will just be a Scarlet and Violet, like, with all the DLC added. Oh, like, yeah, maybe. Yeah. Like, in the same gotta, way that gotta we got. Gotta catch them all edition. Something like that, right? Where it's like we we had the the, the switch uh, getting all the Wii U ports. Mm-hmm. I think that we will get some switch ports up, and I think Pokemon is the most likely of those examples because yeah. I think otherwise the more core Nintendo, not Pokemon Company stuff. I think those upgrades. I think that they're going to be free. <laughs> we'll, we'll see. We will see. Uh, we got. Prof and Dev play games saying, will Switch 2 Joy-Con solution have a more ergonomic form factor? Oh, man. Talk, talk ergonomics to me. As someone who struggles. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't like the little Joy-Cons. Like, I use the Pro Controller. Yeah. Pro Controller, I think, is fantastic. Um, I, I think that when you look at the market now with the popularity of the Steam Deck and... Um, with what Nintendo's been doing, I wouldn't be surprised if, and especially if we're talking about an eight-inch screen, we're just talking about a bigger device anyways. Um, my biggest question is not, I think that the next one's going to have bigger controllers, and I think that it'll be a little bit more manageable for bigger hands. But it's also Nintendo. They want it to be for kids, and they also want it to be like They've got enough. portable as hell. The kids have enough. They, they do have enough. I agree. I agree. Um, but the bigger question I have is, Lucy, mm. is the Switch 2 compatible with Joy-Cons? Oh God, I hope so. I th- I mean, I almost I, hope not. I hope that they are in terms of wireless connectivity. Yes, that's yeah, okay. that's what I was gonna say. So like, I think yeah, they will have a new standard controller, but then any Joy-Con, any Pro controller that you've had will work as a peripheral. Like you can you can plug in, not plug in. That's the complete opposite of what you do. You can connect it, and it just it just works. But I really hope they. They fiddle around and change the way that the Joy-Con 2, if that's what it is going to be, actually feels. Because long play sessions, I can't do. I can't do connected to the thing. I am that person who uses the kickstand and I have to unplug it and I have to use Oh, it. really? Yeah, yeah, I got, that's how bad it is. I got this for reading, my Kindle. Yeah. But you can get a gooseneck stand. and you're, I, you're, yeah, you're, yeah. With, you're a Kevin person. 
Kevin is my people. Oh yeah, Kevin is your people, Kevin and that's a scary people. sentence to yeah, say, but I yeah. know. But feel connection. Yeah, it's so I, I can just be in bed and sitting upright, or even just lying down and comfortable. I I love that. Honestly, I've been a fan of the nunchuck style mm. gameplay since the Wii, and like the Wii was not my favorite because I didn't like the form factor of those controllers. Yeah. But the Joy-Con, I'm with you. Like I do like the ability to just play that way. But something tells me that. Like, I would be very interested in the stats from Nintendo of, like, what is the breakdown between people that play uh, docked, so they're not mm -hmm. even dealing with this at all, handheld, just like how it normally is, or tabletop mode, like you're talking mm -hmm. about. Um, I would bet that tabletop mode is, like, the least popular. And, like, the mm -hmm. way that they showed it in that original trailer of, like, let's... Oh, is it the president at the party? Right, well, there's the party thing, but then there's also, like, hey, we're at a basketball court, we're playing basketball, now let's play NBA 2K on this, let me put it down and whatever. Like, I think that that's probably a less popular mm -hmm. um, gameplay style, but I wonder if it's really popping off with kids. Like, I, I just don't know, but yeah, I don't think it is, though. Like, no. my gut would tell me it's not, so I think... I wouldn't be surprised if the Switch 2 is more like a Steam Deck, where it is just, mm -hmm. it's one nice firm thing we're not gonna uh, deal with like the the loose fucking connections and all that stuff mm -hmm. but there you can still buy joy cons uh to play wireless does this mean yeah. the the real death of nintendo labo we'll miss, miss you, you every day um manic pixel says living for a vic and bob reference on kfgd there we go uh and then Dr. Butthugger. <laughs> I love the internet. Dr. Butthugger MD. <laughs> right, so it says, what are the chances that we're going to get an Andy birthday stream that's just skull and bones? Oh, well, now it's 100%. <laughs> now that you bring that up. I want them all in I'm having a meeting with Mike right after Games Daily about that. That's awesome. That's the thing. As soon as he said it was out on his birthday, I was like, I think I know what, what he's doing do? on his birthday. What are we going to do? I love that. Yeah, they, they, they have, have something... Up. They have something planned for the 16th, but we're going to have to have a conversation about yeah. that. Yeah. We can move that around. Um, and then closing out the show here, we have uh, a, a, a more serious one. Raymond K. Hessel saying, Lucy, how can we bring more women into AAA gaming? Stop laying them off. That's a, that's a good answer. At least right now. I mean, in terms of uh, a very long, complicated discussion, I think, obviously, change starts from the top. Uh Having people, uh, having women and, and not just women, like non-binary folks coming out on stage, like having that representation, but not make it feel like they're being tokenized. Like just have a woman or a non-binary person having the conversation, like because they are there. They are the, they, it's not going to be the, the dude doing the, the, com uh, the commentary or the, the stage presentations anymore. Like representation matters. And so that's part of a very long complicated answer and i think that is a great place to start but also stop laying them off absolutely lucy thank you for joining us today i'm kind of funny oh, games today where can me. people find you oh everywhere uh no i'm online at lucy james games is my handle on everything you can find me day job GameSpot, and giant bomb and uh evening job i guess is the friends per second podcast so i'm everywhere She's everywhere. Go follow her everywhere. She's great. Um, you're great, too. Thank you for hanging out with us for another amazing week here at Kind of Funny. We will return next week with Kind of Funny Games Daily on Monday. It's going to be a blast. I think it's me and Greg hosting Monday. There's going to be a great energy there, I'm sure. Him coming. Greg Miller's in Florida right now. Oh, All I right? know, because I asked him for a lift this morning, and he was like, no can do loose. <laughs>
Yeah. I'm in Florida. I'm in Florida. So are we going to lose him out there? Is a Gator going to get him? Mm -hmm. I don't know. But we'll have to wait and see. Come back Monday to find out. But if you're watching live on Twitch, we got something real special about to go down. Episode three of my new favorite show, Kind of Funny Games Showdown. It's about to pop off. Whoa, there's the set. It's great. Look at that. Um, it's going to be a lot of fun. So you can just hang out on Twitch to watch that after we get a little set up. Otherwise, you got to make the jump if you're watching on YouTube over to the other YouTube link, our live feed for Kind of Funny Games Showdown that will be live very soon. Barrett? Yeah, we'll, we'll take a couple minutes to set up and all that stuff, but it'll be live shortly. It'll be live shortly. We want to like get it going right when we go. So be a little patient, but uh, refresh that uh, YouTube.com slash Kind of Funny Games. If you're a YouTube person, if you're a Twitch person, just hang out. We'll see you soon. Until next time, it's been our pleasure to serve you.